Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. I'm Andrew Comero. I co-host Adulting on the Spectrum with Eileen Lamb. Hey, Eileen. Hey, everyone. I'm Eileen Lamb, an autistic author and photographer. And in this podcast, we want to highlight the real voices of autistic adults. So not just inspirational stories, but people like us talking about their day-to-day life, what they like, what they love, what they don't like. Basically, we want to give a voice to a variety of autistic people. Today, our guest is Tyler McMichael. Tyler lives in Dallas-Fort Worth area, graduated from University of North Texas. He was diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, now ASD, at the age of four. His favorite music genre is metal, and he loves learning new languages, which he calls his obsession. He can speak Spanish, French, Arabic, and Portuguese. He is also a Ticket P1 and listened to the ticket every day. You're going to have to explain to me what that is later. Uh, hi, Tyler. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us uh, today on this podcast. We're excited to have you. Eileen, Andrew, thanks. It's a pleasure. Great to be here. So, Tyler, we always ask our guests what they like to identify as, uh, as far as um, autism is concerned. So that means on the spectrum, Asperger's, uh, autistic, or if you have no preference, that's fine. But we like to ask. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I really don't have any preference. I uh, pe- autistic. That's what I've heard my whole life. So I just go with autistic. That's what I put on LinkedIn. I'm autistic. So that's fine. Cool. So you were diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome at age four. When did your parents tell you about your diagnosis? Do you wish you had known sooner or later? Well, great question. Uh, so when I was about three years old, my parents noticed that I say the least was different than a lot of other kids um my parents would get a lot of you know complaints at school like hey just letting you know like your son um you know may need to get tested for autism because you know he he's like yelling a lot um you know trying to block out noises and stuff we think he may be autistic and um so my parents took me i think at age four got diagnosed at age four don't really remember being diagnosed to tell you the truth um and I don't honestly remember them saying you have Asperger's. I just remember going to therapy at age like eight or nine or I think seven and being in groups with other kids that had Asperger's or now autism spectrum disorder. And um, it really helped a lot. Do you know what uh, therapy uh, that was? Like what type of therapy? Yeah. So it was type of therapy where you, I guess it's behavioral therapy where you meet with people that are exactly that have autism as well or Asperger's and they would put us in groups together and basically it was just free roam like we could play together and the idea I guess was is some of us would get frustrated with one another and you know the psychologist would say you know hey guys what's the way we can compromise here things like that and it really got us all to learn how to basically work in groups together sounds like social skills uh training yes exactly yeah and I remember as a kid, too, going to occupational therapy, getting used to light touches. I would get brushed like 10 times on each arm and everything like that for several years until I finally got used to them. <laughs> Do you like it now? Um, Yeah. You tolerate Sometimes it? when I'm sitting next to someone on a plane, I guess that's normal. It's like someone touches your arm. It's like, whoa, like kind of thing. But yeah. So, so, now, so as somebody who also doesn't like light touch at all, I mean, to me, that seems... Like we're we're moving a bit away from that type of therapy, like almost like an exposure therapy, right? Like that didn't like make you better uh, and it bothered you. 
Um, do you wish, do you think that helped you or do you wish there was no value to that therapy, right? And I think we've come a long way with autism. So maybe we're not doing that as much anymore. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? So just to understand the question, you're asking if what, like if the, if the brushing worked basically? Yeah, and what your thoughts the light are on that looking be... back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely, definitely think it helped for sure because the occupational therapy really um really helped me with getting used to light touches because it used to be and i remember this for sure like if if, I, if anything were touching me like in a car or anything i would i would freak out like the seat belt if the seat belt was touching me a little bit weird i would you know freak out start yelling things like that no so like just enough to be safe so like not wearing wearing a seat belt obviously very important to be safe right mm -hmm. but yes. um okay yeah, so it's not like to make you someone you're not. It's really just because it was impacted your life in so many ways that anything that touched you, uh, you couldn't stand it, basically. Yes, but now that you mentioned that, maybe uh, maybe back then it wasn't really as known to people come out and say, hey, I am autistic. It was kind of, you know, mental health was you kept it kind of to yourself, you know? So I guess maybe it was kind of a thing to acclimate into society, and but I don't really think it... Uh, it stopped me from hitting my touches because I still don't really like them. So <laughs> never thought of it. So, so if it didn't stop you from hating them, then kind of what was the point, right? Um, I guess the, yeah. the keep you safe in the seatbelt example, but I think short of that, um, I think there's a reason, you know, it didn't mm -hmm. cure you, right? It didn't help. No. Bothered you. Again, uh, yeah. minus the seatbelt example, right? I think that's valid. You know, wearing a seatbelt is mm -hmm. important. Yeah, for sure. Um, so... So, Tyler, what do you think about the change in the DSM? Because before you were diagnosed with Asperger syndrome, but now it's not, it doesn't exist anymore. It's lumped into mm -hmm. autism. Do you like that change yes. or do you think it should be, it should have stayed the same? That's a great question. I honestly was very surprised when I was taking a psychology class in college and I realized that autism, or sorry, Asperger's was not a thing anymore. And I said, wait, what? And so I did research and you're right, it's it's not. And it really surprised me just because my whole life I heard Asperger's, Asperger's, Asperger's. And um, I guess I don't really understand why they changed it because I'm not in any way, shape or form like a medical professional or why things are called the way they are. But it definitely was a shocker to me that, um, you know, soon someday, you know, 50, 100 years on the line, no one will know what it is. Like, it'll be, yeah, so it kind of definitely shocked me for sure. Yeah, and I mean, personally, I liked uh, Asper Asperger's better, which also uh, would be my diagnosis today if uh, mm -hmm. it still existed because, you know, some people on the spectrum have such high needs and uh, yeah. it just seems like it's a different diagnosis to me, like Asperger's and like level three autism like the most severe side of the spectrum so i really liked having that distinction so like you know if i tell someone i have asperger's i feel like it gives them a lot more information about me mm -hmm. than if i say i have autism because like you know it's such a broad spectrum so i kind of wish they had uh, kept it separate yeah so on on that note uh diagnosis and stuff uh what uh what do you think about self-diagnosis i'm glad you asked um i really i despise self-diagnosis for 
the, the a lot of reasons, but the main reason is because you need a a licensed healthcare professional to diagnose you with any type of thing. It's not going online looking at a horoscope and saying, "Oh, I'm I, oh I fit Aquarius. Okay, I'm Aquarius," or "Oh, I'm Capricorn," or whatever, um, or "Oh, I'm bipolar because I looked it up and I fit this, some symptoms of bipolar." Um, I there's a lot of people on social media now um, that are trying to tell people, "Hey, it's okay to self-diagnose and all that," but I, I really don't think it's good because you you really need a mental health professional to diagnose you. You can't just say you're something because you read something online. Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, but I do think that there's something where so in our adulting on the spectrum Facebook group, you know, we let people in and I like the term, you know, suspecting diagnosis, because I do think that there are a lot of people who may see symptoms and learn of things but those symptoms could be many many other things right we don't exactly. allow people so I, I do like that term and also it's you know why why are you requesting a diagnosis what are what are you looking for what are you looking to get out of it so mm -hmm. yeah and i it was and it's honestly it's it's kind of in in insulting too, like when you hear like I was on LinkedIn the other day and I don't know who it was. It was just a post by someone. And uh they said, you know, the new show out that's that's Wednesday, you know, the Adams family spinoff thing. And they're like, mm. oh, you know, uh Wednesday fits the traits of autism and all that, you know, but the writer didn't say that. And then, you know, and and then everyone on there, I read the comments and was saying like, yeah, oh, you know, I've, if it wasn't for Wednesday, I wouldn't have self-diagnosed with, you know, because I relate to her and all that. And I'm just like, what are, what are people doing? It's like, they're trying so hard to like, want to be different. And it's just, I don't understand. Yeah. And I, and I also think too, I mean, I, I don't think Wednesday is, I think, you know, you could be socially awkward, right. Yeah. Or a few other things. Um, and you know, I mean, you can, I can, you can relate to a character without, you know, mm -hmm. them also being, you know, autistic. Sometimes there are TV shows where they don't say they are. Um, but I, I would say I don't believe that's one of them. So, but hey, it's good you can relate to a character. That's not a bad thing, but yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you know, it's happening a lot with many TV shows. And the thing is, people are not seeking a professional diagnosis because there is that uh, hive mind online where people just, you know, they feed one of an one one another, right? So mm -hmm. they they kind of like seek validation. Like if that person is autistic mm -hmm. and says they have these traits and I have them and they're autistic and it's just like spreading and everyone think that yeah. because they're a little quirky and they don't like uh, touching, you know, light touch. Right, now people, because of your episode, are going to think that because they don't like light touch, they have autism. See, I mean, <laughs> it's how yeah. it's going to be. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, it's tricky. What... Um, what do you think uh, about uh, social media? Do you think uh, it's a good thing because more people are talking about autism or that it's a bad thing because, you know, a lot of misinformation and is spreading? Well, honestly, I think it's good and bad, right? So you're talking about misinformation. That's definitely something that definitely is bad and it needs to be addressed for sure. But also, I think social media, there are good things about it. And the main one is getting mental health aware. Like you see hashtag mental health awareness, you know, that's it's great, you know, because back when our parents were kids, like you, you just did not talk about mental health issues like in 
public you know like if you were um you know like like oh you know this guy has uh some something wrong with his mental health like he's he's weaker than people that don't have mental health issues you know so it it definitely uh, that's not what i think i'm just saying like that that's that's it definitely helped people understand like hey you know suicide is definitely something that's that's needs to be addressed you know and i definitely think social media definitely helped make people more aware about it but the bad side is is like i was saying before you know i was on social media and i saw people saying yeah oh self-diagnosis is good and then when people see that they just think oh i'm gonna do that too and then it's you you really yeah so what do you say to the people who say you know diagnosis is a privilege and it is true that it can be very hard to get diagnosis in adult mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm glad you asked that, Andrew. I, um, I, I would say this that I went to, I was in class with basically people that were autistic and things like that. Uh, it's called the Public Preschool for Children with Disabilities. When I was in, uh, you know, three or four years old, and um, it was it was of all all races were in there. It wasn't just you know white. Like it wasn't. Like there was a ton of people, same, same, same in my group, you know, my therapy group, it was all races. And I just, I think definitely that, that we definitely need to have better mental health care treatment in the United States for sure. And people definitely refuse to get treated because they don't, they can't afford to go get treated, but also at the same time, you can't self-diagnose. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people can't afford treatment, but you still can't self-diagnose because with that logic, we might as well just not go get diagnosed at all. We don't need doctors to diagnose anymore. I can, like I said at the beginning, I can just look up on the internet and say, "Oh, I have bipolar, but I'm not going to go get diagnosed." Like you just can't do that. It's it's not safe. So yeah, so some yeah, someone in my family, my um, yes, uh, is a uh, licensed professional counselor, and she says that you know some people, you know, come to her, and she also reads it on social media, and you know, say like, "Oh." Um, I think I'm this because of this, which is great. But then there's some that are saying, no, I am this because I read it on social media. And it's, um, and, you know, I was like, hey, you know, what do you think about this? And she's like, I agree. I, th I think it is, you know, people shouldn't be self-diagnosing. What can we do to make um, diagnosis more uh, accessible uh, so people uh, don't self-diagnose? Exactly. That, that's what I was saying before. We definitely need to have you know, better access to mental health treatment in our country. Cause you know, you can't just take off of work like you can in a lot of other countries and just say, Hey, I, I, a lot of countries are guaranteed, like, you know, at least 20, some countries, I think Australia has 20 days paid leave, stuff like that. We don't have here the time to take time for ourselves and, you know, figure out like, Hey, what is, what is wrong with me? What, what can I do to get help? Things like that. And I very big advocate for mental health treatment. And speaking of work, what what do you do for work? Um, I am a travel agent, um, oh, okay. and on the side, I make websites for people, uh, front end developer using JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and all that. But right now, uh, my main job is a travel travel manager. Does your oh, autism cool. help you in any way, or in your job? Um, yeah, because I have to remember a lot of airline rules and stuff like that, and. Uh, it's just, uh, I guess I got the good memory from autism, I guess. Uh, and it's good because 
because now that I'm remote, I don't have to be in an office setting. And um, that was the hardest before a lot of companies allowed remote work is because everyone expects that person, everyone to be, you know, smiling in the meetings and the person always talking, but I'm just, I'm the guy that, you know, is not really talking that much. I'm in the back doing my own thing, but still doing my job right. And I think that the, this role definitely is, is great for someone with autism. It requires very little, you know, talking all the time to, to clients, things like that. It's just, you're, you're by yourself, making sure that all the airline rules are being followed and you're just kind of a lone wolf and I like that. Yeah, I think that's the best thing that came out of the pandemic for me, uh, being able to work from home. I had never had a, a job before the pandemic because it required going to an office and I just, it's not something I can do. So to me, it's been uh, really, uh, really amazing uh, to be able to work remotely and to have so many companies allowing that. Um, so I totally... Not for sure get that uh i know that uh you said in your bio you love languages too and you speak french arabic and all of that how do you even learn that like do you use the what is it duolingo app or something no so great question so what i did is um i i really wanted to honestly learn german first and my dad told me no you 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 live in texas you you really should benefit learning spanish since you know you you'll speak it so much and probably it's crazy. Like, no, I want to learn German because of Rammstein, man, which is a, a German industrial band. And um, but he was right. It did. I started speaking, uh, learning Spanish in class. Uh, there was a guy there named David or David, and um, he didn't speak any English at all. And he was in the in the class because he needed a teacher that spoke Spanish to like help him through school and stuff like that, get around. And you know, I I go up to him, and I. The night before, I wanted to just put together a list of questions to ask him in Spanish. And he said my pronunciation was really, really good. And he started responding to me in Spanish when at the time I didn't understand any Spanish at all. And I said, I, I don't know what you're saying. And he's like, really? I, I, th I thought you, you spoke, you're like native or something. And I was like, what? Wow. So, then I, so then I really started to actually try in Spanish class and learn a lot more and more and more. And then I started making friends that spoke Spanish, um, started talking about social media, one of the good benefits is I started adding people that from other countries that wanted to learn English too. And so we would speak in Spanish, you know, in English, you know, side by side. And, um, and then in college, I did, uh, I did French as well. And I basically just took one semester of, of French and that that one semester just gave you all of the textbook that you needed. It gave you all the grammar rules and everything. And so I basically just learned uh, Spanish like I learned, or sorry, I learned French like I learned Spanish. And so I just got my old French vocab or Spanish vocab and then just try to just basically learn that way, pretended I was in the classroom again. And um, with Arabic, I went to the University of North Texas and there's a lot of Arabs in that community. And so I took an Arabic class too, but also just immersed myself with them and I became really, really good at it. Do you ever practice French? Tu comprends le français? Oui, je, je, je peux parler français maintenant avec toi, parfaitement, ouais. C'est impressionnant. It's impressive. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I love French. It is it is harder because, you know, in Texas, you know, we have a lot more Spanish speakers. So um, I have to like go on apps, like one Hello Talk where you... It pairs you with people that are learning languages. Like it pairs people that whose native language is French and your native language is their native 
your native language is English, and then you talk to each other. So I have to do that to keep up the, the pronunciation and the rules and all that. And same with Arabic too, since I don't really talk to a lot of my friends anymore from college since I graduated, who mostly were Arabs. That's pretty cool. And is that what you would recommend to somebody look, what would you recommend to somebody looking to learn a new language? Great question. What I would recommend doing is don't really download Duolingo first. Always go, always take a class first. And this is not like a $2,000 class at a, you know, top tier university. You, you can go to your local junior college even and just take one class there or a couple classes there. You, you'll get the textbook already. Um, you basically just need the grammar rules and the vocab and that's it. And the rest is just, you, you can learn on, on your own. You make it sound so easy. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah. And then after that, then you can use Duolingo and then apps that pair you with people that speak languages. I would highly recommend downloading the app. Hello talk. It's great. Okay. I want to learn Italian. I think it's so oh, it's great. I yeah, it is pretty English and French, but Italian is just, I don't know. I love it. I love grammar is very close to French. So you would, you, you can right. translate like, you know how a lot of times when you, um, a lot of times you you find yourself translating in your head to the language exactly and it doesn't make sense in the yeah. other language. Well, Italian, you can translate in your head exactly and it will come out the same in Italian like as you would. So it's it's like requires a lot less sentence redoing and all that. So it's cool. You're making me want to take a class at university and I hate. You should. University. Huh. Maybe I will actually. What language do you want to learn next? I'm actually trying to learn Mandarin right now, and it's really hard because, well, it's, sorry, it's not hard. It's it's just it requires a lot of time because you have to learn the the pinyin, which is the the basically the quote unquote English uh, letters, right? And then you have to memorize the picture of it. So you have to memorize the the picture. You can't just sound out the symbol. You you have you have to memorize the the what the picture is. So it's it's really really hard. It's with work right now and everything, and all I'm doing it's uh it's taking a lot of time, and I can't learn it as fast as I did Arabic. Yeah, I mean, when so I had a lot of free time. All of these have different alphabets, so it's like incredibly difficult. I mean, I can't. Oh see yes. I mean, and Arabic, don't you read it from uh left uh right to left too? Yes, you read it from yeah right to left. Yes, that is correct. It says in your bio that you're a p1 ticket what is that okay so uh all the p1s listening right now are gonna gonna laugh that that's awesome uh so so basically the ticket is a sports radio station here in dallas texas um 96 7 uh, uh 96 7 fm 13 10 am or you can just download the sports day talk app and listen to it there or iHeartRadio. radio uh basically it's a it's a it's a sports radio station but also they have super funny segments on there it's it's great. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to mention on here is because um, you know I I recently have under doctor supervision I've come off my um, you know my anti anxiety medication because I wanted to try to cope with it naturally and I listen to them every morning and it's 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 definitely the the best form of coping with anxiety because they just they're so funny they're so great. It's on five thirty a.m. until seven p.m every day monday through friday and uh they're just great people big community they have they have events in the area and all everything and they're just they're really good radio station 
and a P1 means you're just a fan of the radio station. Oh, is okay. that official term yeah. for us? Yeah, P1. Yeah. That's so funny. And uh, you said you're into a uh, middle the the music. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, how did that happen? I mean, as someone who's autistic and like very sensitive to noise, you know, it seems like that... the opposite of what I would want. See, that's. I ask myself that question every day and I, I joke with, with my friends a lot. I'm like, man, come on. I'm not, or my wife, I'm like, come on, I'm the autistic one. I, you should, yeah, I should be the one sensitive to noise, you know, just like as a joke. And it's just, honestly, I have no idea how that happened because as a kid, I was the epitome of like just autistic noise. Like, Hey, like I would get on the ground. I would bang my head. I would, I would want to be out of there completely. Even when I would go to church, I would not like it because of, just all the noise in the church, you know, just anywhere with noise. But I guess over time, I I just got used to noise. I no, Loud noises don't really bother me anymore. Now, constant noise of like rattling and stuff, that bothers me. Like rattling, um, uh, constant rain dropping on the roof at night, that's, that's really annoying to me. Uh, rattling in the car, loose bolts, things like that. But really, really loud noise anymore doesn't, bother me at all it hasn't for for years that's good do you have any tips do you know what happened or did it just happen over time and no reason honestly it um i guess it was because i just really wanted to immerse myself and and really make a lot of friends and be better socially so i don't know if that has anything to do with it but i i just I just started going to metal shows and, and really liked it. I didn't really, when I went in there, I, I didn't feel anything weird about it noise-wise or anything. Maybe because I'll wear your plugs, that's why. <laughs> but, yeah. Cool. Well, I'm going to ask you some uh, quick-fire questions. It's uh, basically five very simple questions, and you just tell me the first answer that comes to your mind. Okay? Okay. Do you have a favorite quote? And if so, what is it? Do I have a favorite quote? And if so, what is it? Mm -hmm. Live life to the fullest. What's your favorite Generic, autism? Right? Yeah, but that, that works, you know. <laughs> What's your favorite autism representation in a movie or a TV show, book? Oh. The Curious Incident of the Dog at Nighttime. What's have that? you all ever read that? No. And I have not, but I, I know it exists. It's a great book. It's basically a book about, it, it's written by a, by a British author. And I want to say it's a true story, but I'm not sure. I read it when I was a little kid, like 11 or 12. And the reason why it speaks to me is because it it, it really shows what parents have to go through raising an author autistic child you know and and then and that there are frustrations raising someone that is autistic you know and it really shined a light and it's like wow some some parents may get you know frustrated about it and um but but in the book you could tell and i hate saying this term like uh like um quote unquote normal it's like oh like you seem normal for an autistic person or whatever or less on the spectrum than this person but but in the book, I could tell that the stuff that the that the protagonist well, that I guess there's no antagonist in the book, but you know the main character was a lot more severe, quote unquote, than I was. 
uh, but it really opened my eyes to seeing different types of autism and what other people with autism have to go through on a daily basis. I think it's really it's cool really how you like, you know, you're autistic, but you still, you don't think it's bad that parents, you know, no. have frustration because that's, you know, a narrative we hear on social media so much like, you know, oh, parents are making it about, about themselves and, you know, they're uh, martyr moms and, and yeah, I, I really love uh, that some people, autistic people can see that, you know, yeah, it's, it's hard for the parents too, not just yeah, an autistic person. It's really hard. And, you know, my, my, my parents never, never, my parents always said like it, um, it, it made them like, just like stronger individuals, you know, because it, it made them like really understand like about mental health, you know, and things like that. And they, they, they helped me so much, you know, they, they, um, they, I love my parents so much and they, they're, they're definitely the reason why I, I am here today, not, you know, like in normal classes, things like that, because they, uh, they, they didn't want me to be just, you know, in special classes my whole life, not having relationships, not able to form relationships. So they, um, they, they really wanted me to, like, if I were to do something in, like in public that was, you know, quote unquote, not right, you know, like screaming and stuff like that. Like, of course, when I was older, like six, seven, they would say, Hey, like, you know, don't do that. And so it got to the point where I, I wouldn't do that anymore in public because I knew, hey, this is wrong, you know, kind of thing. That's, uh, that's great. I, I love hearing this. Thank you for, for sharing. Uh, yeah. What's your favorite animal? Oh, that's a good one. Um, oh, I don't know. I've actually never thought about that. Let's see. My favorite animal would probably have to be oh i don't know probably a cheetah just because they run so fast and they can just get out of anything really fast and just escape i like it what's your favorite movie my favorite movie is oh okay oh that's a good one i like inception just because i walked out of the I base favorite movies quote unquote based on like how I feel when I walk out of the movie, like, was it just like, whoa, I have never seen this before in my life. No director has ever done anything like this. And Inception definitely is my favorite for sure. Interesting. Do you like it, Andrew? I I, I like his logic for why he likes a favorite movie. And yeah, Inception was a, <laughs> I mean, good movie, but I like his, I like his reasoning. His explanation. Okay, yeah. final question. It's a very important okay. question. Mm -hmm. Is glow in the dark a color? Like is right here, glow in like, the dark a like color. If you're yeah, like the glow in the dark that you see, like in the light, like right here. Well, honestly, I'm actually colorblind, so no, uh, no, no, no. I can see that color. It's just I have trouble with red, with blue and green. So uh, I don't know. Is it a color? I don't know. I mean, no. I'm just gonna say yes just because it's not black or white and if i understand those aren't colors right so i'm going to say it is a color it could be a property like you know like like an adjective like it glows in the dark but it's not actually a color you know Ooh, 
That's such a good one. I've never been asked that before. That's a mystery. I'm going to look that up. That's, that's going to be what I'm researching today. Yes. So you mentioned LinkedIn, my favorite social media network, um, not Eileen's. But can you tell us where we can find you on social media? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I am on Instagram. I don't really get on a lot. I, uh, I just follow friends and family stuff, but you're more than welcome to add me. Uh, it's uh, Tyler underscore JavaScript, like the programming language. Mm -hmm. And on Snapchat, uh, it's Tariq, T-A-R-I-Q, 308956. Uh, it's just my, my Arab friends used to call me Tariq, you know, because they wanted to give me like a, a, a Arab name. And so <laughs> I just stuck with that. I thought it was funny. So I, I added that name ever since. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Tyler. It was so great uh, talking with you. I really want to learn Italian now, so thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great, great talking to y'all. I uh, really appreciate you having me, Andrew and Eileen, and everyone listening. Uh, I hope it um, hope hope y'all enjoyed it. Yeah, we did. Thank you. Thank Bye -bye. you. Thank Bye -bye. you.